Thanks for checking out the latest episode of the podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to this thing wherever in the hell you found it. And uh, excited to welcome in our guest this week, Dan Murphy, rock star, lead singer, performer. Uh, you've got a bunch of stuff. Uh, reading your bio, there's a, there's a lot of titles that go with your name, sir. How are you, dude? I'm awesome, man. How are you guys doing? Uh, good. Real good. Welcome back to uh, welcome back to Helena. Welcome back to Montana. Thank you very much. Yeah, I got in late last night, and uh, I got to show uh, our sound guy Butte Montana last night. That was fun. Uh, <laughs> did a little exploring. So uh, yeah, I just rolled in real, real late last night and. Uh, Ready to head out to Missoula as soon as we're done here. Where's he from? Uh, he is from Baltimore. Yeah, he's a Baltimore. On. <laughs> well, maybe Butte's not that shocking then. I've seen The Wire. <laughs> Baltimore, L.A., Butte, always, you know, yeah. real similar places exactly. overall. Yeah. He actually did say when he pulled in, he's like, man, this reminds me of Pennsylvania a lot. I was like, all right, yeah, whatever, hey. Well, yeah, and Butte's one of those places. That I was born in, in Flint, Michigan. Oh, okay, and, wow. And, and raised north of Detroit. Man, Butte, I got, I got into Butte and looked around and like, Oh yeah, right. Yeah, I like it. I uh, love the vibe there, man. It's awesome. Well, yeah. because it looks like they just hit pause <laughs> totally. in like 1894, <laughs> and then all of a sudden they unpaused it around 1988. Yeah, it's amazing, man. It was awesome. Yeah, it's great. I haven't been there in like almost a decade now. You know, we used to go down on St. Patty's Day as a kid, growing oh, yeah. up, and yeah, sneaking in on, in the bars and stuff. So it's been a long time <laughs> since yeah. I've been in a been to butte is good yeah you can go down to butte and as long as you're not taking a pacifier out of your mouth to order a drink you're probably all right on st pat's um how long has it been since you've been back in state man we played uh let's see we played here almost two months ago two and a half months ago at the brewery like the block party uh at lewis and clark so uh yeah not too long actually it's kind of a record for us usually we wait about a year until we come back to montana but yeah two uh two in the last few months is great okay and uh for for the record all good things playing at lewis and clark brewing on uh on as we tape this september 29th so thursday september 29th in helena and um you know have are you are you back to a normal schedule now oh. that we're out of the stuff uh we're, we're are, is it back to the before times in terms of touring and activity yeah i mean you know for us it's funny man we started as like a licensing project right so we you know we, we'd been gearing up to tour for all these years and uh you know when when COVID finally hit, we had to cancel all our dates, push our album back, and it was kind of like this endless waiting game. So once that, you know, the floodgates did open, we hit it hard last year. We've been, you know, on the road for about a year now, um, and it's been chaotic. We just played in Louisville at Louder Than Life, the festival, uh, on Friday, and uh, yeah, man, it's just been a whirlwind. I flew back into L.A. We didn't get a flight or a hotel that night, so I pulled an all-nighter, got in the van, drove to Vegas, and then drove here, so I was just, uh, it's been a wow. long week, man. <laughs> a little, yeah, could use some sleep, that's for sure. I, it's just weird, because I was in uh, Louisville in March, and I was in Vegas in April, Oh no way. All right. and uh, both of those places are far. Yeah, man, I had to get a six-and-a-half-hour layover in Vegas, then I had to go... F- fly home and then pick up the sprint and go back to Vegas. So it was, uh, ah. it was a lot of Vegas this week, but I can't complain about that. Now, you casually mentioned uh, that you guys started as a licensing project, and I think uh, for, for some of our listeners, they're not even going to know what that is. When you're thinking about bands, and especially bands that have big hits and get on the radio, um, the, the common thought is, and you've done this, is to play bar bands, work your way up, oh, yeah. eventually get a bigger fan base, you roll, get a record, de- uh, record deal, and then boom you're on the radio it didn't quite work out with this particular band with you that way so the the being a licensing project is something completely different than being a band out to play music for people yeah i mean this is a it was weird how this all happened it's a very back to front thing and like you said man i grew up here in montana playing you know dive bars and jesters and all over like writing our own pas and going down to the fairgrounds and throwing shows so you know we, we were used to doing all the hustling and sleeping on floors and everything and i was still doing that you know, actively in a couple different bands in LA when I moved there. But uh, yeah, I just got kind of asked to do some songwriting and singing for, you know, licensing uh, writing for 
film, TV, commercials, movies, stuff like that, um, which I was totally unfamiliar with too, man. Uh, and you know, surprised to me while I was pushing these other projects, some of these songs had you know taken off online, and uh, you know, we called them our twins. The songs "Get Up" and "Fight" had just kind of snowballed. You know, we didn't even know that these songs were really released to Spotify and going to YouTube. And you know, one day we just decided to, to Google it, and we're like, man, we've got a few million on every platform on these two songs. Like, there's actually like an audience for this. Um, but yeah, it just kind of, man, it just kind of fell into our lap that way. It was more just like, you know, get into the studio, bash out some fun, hard rock stuff and, uh, you know, not overthink it. And, you know, we were overthinking every other project we were doing and, uh, yeah, just released this to the interwebs and it kind of did its thing for us, man. It's crazy. So how many things do you have going other than all good things? Um, well, I do have a side project called the after show. Um, that was, I wasn't a band with Sean White for a short minute there called bad things, which kind of turned into the after show so that's like the total opposite kind of music man i I like to be able to you know kind of you know work those writing muscles and exercise different genres and stuff so and i'm still doing like the licensing thing too so it's just fun to kind of write different stuff all the time and you know keep those muscles working so you just hate sleep oh man i I still get i just my hours are weird i'm a a night owl for sure dude you have to be oh yeah it's like 10 a.m is the earliest i've been up in a minute so (laughs) i figured it would be yeah no question i i I don't doubt that (laughs) now um you you you're based out of California now. Obviously, you've been touring a ton and you're and you're traveling a bunch. Yeah, on th- on this podcast, we've hit it on a number of times. Obviously, you come back to Montana, like, oh, you left California back in California, right? <laughs> do they know? Do they know oh, that man. everybody's mad at them? Oh yeah, the people I mean, in California. Do they know that the entire Rocky Mountain West just hates their guts? Yeah, man. I mean, and you know, the whole band knows it too. Everyone knows. <laughs> <it>. <laughs> I, you know, like, I, I love Montana so much. I try to talk it up, but not too much so they don't fall in love with it. You know what I mean? Like, right. Yeah. No, I'm on your side here. Uh, and we'll keep them out, you know. How but, <laughs> but I just want to, because, I mean, it's so common. You go to Idaho, you know, my buddy lives up in High Valley, south of Cascade. Yeah, yeah. You go to this little podunk, little town country store, and they're selling hats. Idaho's full. You know, and you go anywhere in Montana, like, I heard North Dakota's nice, and they put it on a t shirt. And I was like, this is all for people from California. And like, yeah, yeah. I wonder if I get it, man. I get it. I was in Butte yesterday. We stopped for lunch, and I met like three (laughs) Californians that just moved to Butte, and then someone from like, you know, there wasn't one person from Montana. Well, they're trying to get out. Which yeah, I yeah. get. Every yeah. time you read a story about California, it's either being misgoverned or sliding into the ocean. So I understand. <laughs> True. Yeah, yeah. We have our issues, that's for sure. I, I mean, every time I come home, it's the same conversation about 20 times a day. It's right. like, so where are you living now? Oh, I'm, in, I'm in L.A. I've been there about a decade. So uh, how, how, how do you like it? <laughs> that was going to be my question. Like, is, is there things in California, in L.A. that you that you really like? That As a Montana guy, I mean, it's yeah. all... I visited L.A. once, and it was all different than anything I'd ever seen in my whole life. Yeah, man. I mean, look, like, as far as entertainment goes and shows and concerts and food and all that, we've got it all. It's awesome. It's a lot of fun. I'm not a beach guy. I'm not a water guy, dude. I grew up in the mountains, so I kind of avoid the beach. But you can go skiing down there. There's some decent skiing. I discovered Mammoth, you know, over the last five years ago maybe which it took me freaking five years to find it mm-hmm. that place is epic man i mean i grew up at great divide but also you know going to big sky and bridger and stuff it kind of felt like a montana hill so i do get a little skiing in and uh you know try to make it feel you know a little like home but I'll, you know to be honest i miss it man i always think about moving back well <laughs> and the, th- the thing about california as a whole it's i mean there's a reason that everybody was there it's beautiful yeah, you know, buddy, down in in Marietta, there, uh, just north of San Diego, and you go down and you see the beach, and the weather's always perfect, and you're yeah. like, okay, no, I get it, why everybody wants to live here, but then over the decades, and the mistakes pile up, and now people are like, all right, deuces, we're off to Nevada, <laughs> yeah. Colorado, Utah, oh man, Montana, Idaho, 
It's, um, wild. it's wild to just see the uh, the amount of people that have moved up here over the last couple, man. Going to like Kalispell, I went up to Glacier about a year ago, and it's just holy crap, there's a lot of people, man. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. it's wild. Yeah, yeah, Cali though, I can't say it's perfect. It's been like 102 for the last <laughs> forever, man. I'm, I'm just so stoked to be north a little bit. It feels great. Now, when you say uh, you think about coming back, is that is that in the cards? Do you think? Man. I mean, at some point, do you just? Yeah, I think some point, man. I think you know, while I'm still kind of hustling and doing the industry thing, you know, kind of should be there makes right. sense to be in la but uh yeah i mean obviously like i don't want to stay there forever <laughs> you know I, this sure. could be the top of the list but there's not a lot of places that you know that i'd love to live but the northwest it's like montana colorado maybe oregon washington you know i mean yeah I, i'm a west coast guy well there's montana there's a montana pull and you see it with the yeah. you know jeff Ahmed pearl jam will have it there's no there's right. a reason why pearl jam is played in missoula montana and it's because of the pull that montana still has yeah. to a guy who's uh, you know grew up in montana that that is something that uh, and and when it reaches that level and uh and and your band playing at lewis and clark place where you're you know, <laughs> you, yeah. were, you were before you were this uh it, it's just appreciated i think by the people here that 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 doesn't go away and that you're able to come back and bring things to us man yeah and i'm just so stoked to show the band like this whole state i guess they've seen helena we love playing the brewery this is our third or fourth show fourth show at the brewery now which is kind of crazy but um we're actually playing missoula today at the wilma um which is you know i grew up seeing shows at the mm -hmm. wilma the last band we were on tour with was, uh was a seven dust and i saw them at the wilma i think it was actually 20 years ago for the uh record that i just went on the anniversary tour for so really randomly you know 20 years later i'm you know, opening for them, and we're playing the Wilma, which is, you know, I grew up seeing so many shows there, and I've never got to play there. It's one of those things. So I'm looking forward to uh, today, you know, the Elm and Bozeman, that new venue just opened. We're playing there, and Pub Station and Billings. So got four Montana shows coming up, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's awesome, man. It's a record for us. We've never really been here other than flying in uh, and out of the brewery, so we're actually driving the rig through, and we got the whole setup and the lights and everything. It'll be fun. Does it mess with your head a little bit when you start talking about 20th anniversaries? Because I, I cut my teeth. I started in radio in 97 in, yeah. in modern rock and then active rock, Yeah, and I was that was how I got started in the industry, and it was only because I was playing in really bad bands at the time. I'm like, well, I want to do something with music. The musician part's not working out. Maybe the radio thing will. Awesome. And I, so I'd go see shows and, you know, all the, I, I, mean, I remember putting Seven Dust records on the air. Yeah, yeah. And now they're celebrating their 20th anniversary Dude. and it hurts my feelings a little bit because I'm starting to feel like a geezer. I <laughs> couldn't agree with you more, man. We, we came out, like we said, right when the pandemic ended and we were like finally able to tour. Our first tour was uh, with POD and it was their 20th anniversary yes. of yes. Satellite. And that was a record I had, you know, in high school or middle school, whatever it was, you know, 20 years ago, man. I love that record. And, you know, getting asked to be a part of that tour was just so weird. <laughs> it was the great, you know. Yeah. And then Seven Dust, too, we keep doing these, like, 20-year anniversary tours. It's hilarious. And honestly, man, uh, the last tour was with this band called Plush, which is a kick-ass band of four girls, really young. They're, like, 19 years old. So, I mean... Throw you on a 20th anniversary tour with a bunch of 19-year-old girls. You'll, it'll make you feel old real quick, I'll tell you that. <laughs> you can tell the part of the crowd that they're for them. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah. It's not hard man, to yeah, do. Yeah, it was, it was funny, man. It just, yeah, that aged us real quick. Well, yeah, I've got two kids now, and they, they'll they'll drop that on me every now and then. Well, you were born in the 1900s. I was like, oh man, man. I don't like the way that sounds at all. <laughs> Holy crap, I didn't like, think about that for yeah, a exactly. second. I'm like, oh man. <laughs> Don't start using that. It's like, what? Like somebody born in 2000, old enough to that's, vote and drink and all the things. Uh, like, oh. That's so depressing. 1900s? Wow. I sound like a pirate. <laughs> now, along, along with the pandemic we talked about, you uh, you guys also, I mean, you went from the first big one, and now you've got a couple of years. And what is that last 
since that and now going out on tour, being able to play shows, what has that last two years been like with not only the change of the pandemic, but just your career path? Oh, man, it's just it's been interesting. You know, we came out and the first tour was, you know, half the shows were still masked and we needed Vax cards. And, it, you know, that's such a weird feeling when you're on stage and, you know, we're playing these new songs and you're kind of trying to gauge the crowd and see what songs are kind of translating and what songs people are singing back. And when everyone has a mask on, you can't see their mouths moving. It's just really hard to know if you're doing a good job up there sometimes. Oh, you know, looks so, like a Black Mirror yeah, episode. Yeah, exactly. It felt like <laughs> yeah. that sometimes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know, it, it, it's been a slow ramp, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. the first tour, I think people were a little weary about coming out. The next tour with Star Set was, uh, you know, better. And then, you know, it just keeps getting better and better. And now with these festivals we've done, it's like... Okay, it's normal again, you know. We're we're kind of surrounded and doing meet and greets, and there's no like, you know, bar barriers. We had so many like things we had to work around with, like venues and meet and greets, and like, you know, whether or not you can go to merch. And man, I even caught COVID on our Star Set tour, and I was in where was I, I was in Columbus, man. I caught COVID the morning of the hometown Star Set show sold out. Uh, it was like the worst timing ever, man. The morning after Thanksgiving, I'm like, it would suck so bad. You know, these guys invite us to Thanksgiving, and I'm like, man. If, one of these assholes turns up with COVID and like spreads it to the whole tour. <laughs> I never in a million years thought I would be that asshole, man. I'm not hey, I was that guy here. I couldn't believe it, dude. Yeah, like, he was patient zero for our building. Oh, man. That was the worst feeling ever, man. I woke up the next morning and like we partied pretty hard and I was like, oh, I'm kind of cold, but actually I'm kind of hot. And I just had this weird like temperature fluctuation. I'm like, you guys, I got I to gotta take one of these tests before we move to the venue. They're like, come on, hurry up. We're loading out. Man, I go take that test. It was positive, and I just, oh, my heart sunk, dude. I had to get one of those rapid PCRs, like $500, to figure out if we could continue the tour. Oh. And, of course, I'm positive the day of the hometown. Like, I was looking forward to that forever, man. Just partied with them on uh, Thanksgiving, which was the nicest thing for them to invite us. And I go and screw it all up and get, catch COVID. So. Was this uh, Columbus, Ohio? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. What no, do I tell you about Ohio? Yeah. It's the worst place in the world. Dude, and, I, and like, I got stuck in this hotel. I'm a huge hockey nut, man. There's a Columbus Blue Jackets game right across the street. I'm also a pinball nerd. There's one of the coolest looking pinball bars, right? Like, right. I'm like, just confined to my room for days on end, like, surrounded by cool shit, actually, in Columbus. Right. Which I was like, oh, there's actually a lot going on here. But of course, yeah, I'm just stuck ask in Urban it. Meyer. <laughs> Oh man, so yeah, it, it was uh, yeah, that was interesting, but uh, yeah. Anyways, hopefully now we don't have to worry about that anymore because I mean that was the worst nightmare situation. Everyone flew home to L.A. and then two of our guys drove to Baltimore to stash the van at you know our sound guy's place until I finally tested negative, and that was just the worst man. So yeah, like you know, just to summarize, I guess I don't have to worry about that so much anymore. The last tour was a lot more smooth. Did all the weirdness refocus you in a sort of way? When you shut down and you, you know you're forced to think about things differently, did it did yeah, it change the way you approach it now? I just think you don't take any show for granted, really. You know, it was like, you know, a lot of times you're rolling real tired and on no sleep, and you're like, oh god, let's bust this one out. But now it's like, man, when you get nine shows pulled from you, you don't you realize right. how important those are, man. It's just like. Yeah, and also, you know, as a new band, you know, being able to play these festivals, like, it might not last forever, so you just got to really take advantage of it and really enjoy it while we got it, you know? Like, it's just, it's been a great year for us. We're so grateful to be playing some of these shows with some of these artists. It's just, it's really mind-blowing. I just, you know, want to keep the positivity and, you know, keep the uh, keep the energy going into the rest of this stuff, so yeah. Right. And there's a reason, so uh, as you, you mentioned being a hockey fan here, um, there's a reason why why your particular songs seem so suited to sports. Yeah. And I and I know that there was a, at one point a, a goal of you guys to to, to get your to get the a song played at a hockey arena. Yeah, man. You know, going back to the the licensing thing, like to be totally honest, uh, when I wrote for the Glory, which is that song that went mm -hmm. it was our first number one, which is crazy. 
I never thought in a million years I'd be playing that live every night. Like, I thought that was going to be a studio jam that just got released, filmed in TV, or wherever it got licensed. Uh, I kind of wrote it as a sports kind of hockey anthem, kind of like a self-motivating, you know, balls-out, unapologetic, just kind of rock anthem. And, I, you know, the bridge was something that it just came together so easily. And it's just funny. It was one of those songs that you write in a couple hours and you're playing it every night for the rest of your life. Um, but that was, you know, that being said, writing it for – hockey in mind it ended up getting used all over the nhl man the stanley cup playoffs took it and like every game there was like a montage of that team like on a cup run in the past with our song so like i mean law of attraction or something worked out for us there man it was awesome though just watching tv especially hockey and hearing our song was crazy not well, a lot of uh, big number one songs written as uh, hockey anthems originally. Yeah, man, probably right? not enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, enough. yeah and it's funny it didn't go number one in Canada either. You know, right? <laughs> well, you, you, neither <laughs> does hockey anymore. So <laughs> I blame hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I blame Chad Kroger. That was awesome, man. <laughs> Who's your team? Uh, you know, I grew up a Rangers fan. Uh, I used to go to Flames games as a kid, drive up to Calgary and, and watch them. But uh, you know, I kind of adopted the Kings. I've been there. Been there like 12, 13 years. Right. If I can go ride a train or go to a show in, you know, 30 minutes from my spot, I mean, or I mean, go to a, a hockey game 30 minutes, I mean, yeah, I've, I've adopted them and they've been a lot of fun to watch over the last like 15 years or so. Yeah, I was supposed to go to a Flames game last year, but uh, Canada was doing the just get out, get out, stay out yeah, man. Uh, thing. And I had my whole family plan to go. I had the uh, same thing, man. The, yeah, the, yeah. the Red Wings were playing the Flames on a Saturday. It was oh. going to be going to have a whole weekend around it. Oh. And then they were like, nope. Dude, uh, I had this, like, we were going to the the Hitmen, the Calgary Hitmen, the minor league team, and I had, like, a really, really nice seat, so we were going to go up to Banff and do some skiing, and then that, that week they shut down the border. It's <laughs> just like, damn, all right, I guess i got to wait a few years. Who shuts down Canada? <laughs> <laughs> I think we should be in charge of whether or not they, like, no, 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 you're not shut down. We need beer. We should do an entire <laughs> second episode that's not about music and just about hockey. Oh, we can carry that easily. I don't got to load until four, boys. So I'm around for a minute. <laughs> well, I mean, I, and I grew up as a kid. Like, I got Channel 9 out of Windsor over an antenna. Like, this is, again, dating myself. So I could watch Don Cherry Dude. before he was a yeah. <laughs> yeah, before psycho, he, yeah. um, you know, when he was just making fun of Swedish people and not all the people. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I would watch Hockey Night in Canada yeah. on my little, like, 13-inch television in my bedroom watching hockey games hell yeah and yeah so i'm a i mean i'm a psycho for it i've seen um, do you get to go when you're touring yeah do you get to see we, games? uh yeah we went to a couple we went to uh, a blues game uh when we were in st, in louis. st. louis yeah that's and a great venue it is I've seen cool, games there. yeah and uh, we went to a flyers game in philly man yeah that's a sick arena man i bought phantom tickets oh, when okay. i was in i was in philly this is in 99 i bought phantom tickets and then I walk up, and the course dates was open, and I'm like, wait, is there a Flyers game tonight, too? Oh, wow. So I refunded those tickets, walked in, and watched the Flyers play the Lightning. No way. And that, that's awesome, man. Yeah, and, and learned a whole bunch of new stuff. I mean, so people in Philadelphia, man. Oh, they go hard. Man. <laughs> I can't oh, boy. imagine yeah. hockey fans Oh, they there. go, oh, they they go hard yeah. in the paint. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, and they have that new Jumbotron that's like got the multiple screens that like shoots fire and yeah. everything. It's badass. <laughs> Some man. of the stuff they're doing with hockey pregame and stuff, because they have the surface of the ice that you see. The, the projection. Vegas oh, opens yeah. are unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's insane. The Vegas man, I've been to T-Mobile a couple times, and that's the loudest venue I've ever been to. You know, as far as a, a hockey arena goes, man, that was sick. Well, they got a drum corps and cheerleaders. Yeah, and like, and I think Will John's like the house guy now to just introduce. <laughs> like, I mean, it's just crazy, man. Like, yeah, Vegas, they run. They do it right, man. Siberian tigers run out between periods. They, <laughs> yeah, they go, exactly. yeah. yeah, they got cheerleaders and stuff. What's going on over there? Man? Yeah. The drum line and everything. It's badass. Well, you know, it was the Hurricanes who started that. 
Oh, the yeah, Canes yeah, yeah, were, yeah, yeah. They were like, oh, we're doing it in the Deep South. We don't do yeah. anything without cheerleaders. Anything at all. Yeah. Every time they come up with a new franchise, they up the level. Because Nan- exactly. uh, Nashville at one time had the the best of game atmosphere. Yep, yep. And then now, and then Vegas now, in Seattle, I'm sure, yeah. is, is right there. Yeah, man. I got to get over to Seattle to see Me that, too. too. Yeah, we should, man. I, yeah, it was funny, man. These games are... You only get like a couple off days, and I'm always trying to like see what AHL, ECHL, whatever I, we, we can fit in. It's usually kind of hard to do, but it's always like those off days. You're, you're like, oh, I gotta rest my voice. You know, it's my one off day in like the whole week. And then we end up going to a freaking hockey game and screaming my ass out. We're all bad. And then I remember after I think it was St. Louis, man. It was so bad. We we like walk across to uh you know like the sports bar area, and my drummer's like, I'll, I'll buy one round, then we'll head back. It'll be it'll be mellow night, it's right? Never happened in the history of Dude, mankind. No. Oh man, what turn one round turns in? Hey, you want to go check out that live band that's playing in the bar across the across? <laughs> the, yeah, dude, this, you know whatever. It turns out it was the open bar for like an attorney's like Christmas convention party or something. Oh, and that's so good next timing. thing, you know, all the boys are stuffing their pockets full of like eight beers, and we meet all these attorneys. We go out to this bar and like close it down, and some guy pissed his pants and tried to fight me, and it was just <laughs> that's night dude that was the worst sound check of my life the next day i literally was dizzy i could barely stand during sound check i remember i'm like what am i doing to myself guys i told you one beer and it turned into like raging with these attorneys this girl looked like stifler's mom in this big fur coat it was the craziest night so every time i go to st louis weird we just it's weird stuff happens man it's funny the yeah no that's first of all i'm so glad to hear the rock stars are still out there living like rock stars we're trying. Well, because every time you hear from an entertainer, like, well, I live in, a, I have a really clean diet, and I make sure that I get, I, you know, I tape my mouth shut, and I just nose breathe, and man. all this other stuff. Yeah, all the, you know, being a singer, man, like, you know, you see a lot of, uh, obviously, there's the anxiety that comes along with being a singer. Every day I wake up, and you know, I'm testing my voice. You know, every, the second I wake up, and if my falsetto is not there, I have my mild panic attack for the next few hours, hoping that you know I can nurse myself back to, uh, to show quality, but. You know, I just I don't overthink it. I think it's just, yeah, like you said, man. Like we we just like to explore, go out. We're big beer nuts too, so going to breweries and stuff. And a lot of people, you know, singers don't touch booze or they go on like vocal rest and they don't talk to their band for like a week. Right. And I don't know, man. I just try not to overthink it too much or worry well, about you, it too much. Do you get a mulligan? Because if you have an off night as a as a lead singer in a rock band, you might as well have the off night that goes pants pissing, fighting drunk. <laughs> The commit to going bad, like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He had an Axl Rose type off night Man. where he threw a microphone at somebody, kicked his bass player in the nuts, and stomped off stage. Um, I'll be honest though, like there's no worse feeling than being too buzzed on stage. Like that is the absolute crappiest thing ever, man. When you some I've, people made a living out of it. Oh man, and <laughs> yeah. like you, when you start thinking, you're like, you know, this isn't doing me any favors. I don't think me being like, you know, <laughs> you know, this many drinks right. deep is helping the show. And you kind of when that thought crosses your mind while you're performing, you're like, yeah, dial it back, maybe. Maybe next time or something. <laughs> I, the only time I really had was the the last day of the Seven Dust show. We were in uh, I was like Atlanta, I think I want to say. Um, no, no, I'm sorry, it was in Birmingham. Um, last day though, and everyone obviously turns up a little bit. We got to finish all right. the, all the leftover bottles from the green room for the last month and a half had to be juiced. So uh, <laughs> yeah, that night I remember just being on stage and I was just I, I think when I drink I get aggressive with the crowd. I start yelling at them and making fun of them a little more. And I remember after that show, Liz. Our bassist looks at me. She's like, I think you went a little hard on them tonight. And I was like, well, I mean, hey, it's the last day of the tour and they weren't giving it. And we just came, we came from like a sold out show the night before. And I just, I was calling them a library and stuff. I'm like, all right, Dan, cool. I'll dial it back a little bit. But yeah, and honestly, as a, you know, if you're singing hard rock, uh, the beauty is when your voice goes, you just scream more. You know? well, and I'm sure you've seen the the, the spectrum of other uh, working with other bands. Oh yeah, of guys who are both the 
you know, drink only water and only certain types of water and yeah. don't talk all the way up to the other end of the spectrum. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. And exactly. it works for it might work for somebody and not work for somebody else. Yeah, and on the other end of the spectrum, like you said, man, I've seen some performers that are so sloshed on stage where you're like, wow, I never want to be that guy. That's <laughs> just the worst. You get the opportunity to get up there and you just look like a drunk. It's like the worst or thing. Or the and ones that are and you can't tell. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, <laughs> That's man, the amazing. Those are the, pro- yeah, the pros. The pros, the pros yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But luckily, I don't got to play guitar. That's when you start getting real sloppy. You forget what key you're playing. I just got to sing, man. It keeps it easy. <laughs> well, yeah, if clean living were the way to go, we never would have gotten Motorhead. Yeah, yeah, there you go, man. Because yeah, yeah, Lemmy yeah. was <laughs> yeah, a refinery. <laughs> you know, you need somebody who's willing to just take one for the team, put their liver, kidneys, and everything through the ringer, and then... Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, luckily, he looked and sounded like a refinery, too, <laughs> and that was fine. Yeah, yeah exactly, man. I, I do think we, you know, we, we might scare off a little bit, you know, in the beginning. We, we do like to party a little bit, our band. So uh, it's been a fun balance, you know. Obviously. Is it the whole band? Yeah, we all like to party, yeah. Awesome. Okay, because that's yeah. important. It is. It really is, man. Because all these, we've done a lot of touring with bands where half are dry, you know, like their 20th anniversary tours. I mean, people go through a lot of stuff, man. Like, music's crazy, dude. I understand, like, <laughs> why you got to distance bands yeah. like us from people that are trying to stay dry on tour because we're, you know, it's probably obnoxious to them, you know, sometimes. But, uh, but yeah, I definitely seen both sides of the spectrum, man. And, you know, I talked to a sound guy at uh, Trace Atkins because, uh, you know, we do country here. Uh, uh, a sound guy at Trace Atkins said it was the weirdest tour because Trace Atkins had an incident on a tour boat where he got in a fight with a Trace Atkins impersonator and <laughs> decided oh, man. at that moment he shouldn't drink anymore. And then they had an entirely dry tour. And the sound guy said it was the weirdest tour he'd ever been on. I couldn't imagine, man. Yeah, had, yeah. nobody was drinking on that tour. I mean, I think, well, our sound guy was working for for Buckshare for a while. I think their riders just like, oat milk or something like that it's like uh, yeah i think a lot of you know after 20th yeah you slow down a little bit i think and, and if you don't you're just you're keith richards or something but. well and is it you know sober or california sober you know what yeah, I mean? exactly yeah what yeah exactly what, what are we leaving off the rider yeah well i wish i could have that on the rider <laughs> <laughs> you can now in some man place. you should have seen we, we played aftershock this uh danny wimmer festival in sacramento man we opened that green room and that was the greenest room i've ever seen the greenest <laughs> the greenest green room man i couldn't believe I, I, had, I had weed for like a year it was badass i still have all these oils and tinctures and stuff i don't know what to do with it's like it's, it's awesome man and also like i mean go to the brewery here there's the awesome you know Keeper of the Greens in the parking lot, too. It's like, mm-hmm. what band doesn't want to come through a tour, play at a brewery with a freaking dispensary in the parking lot? It's like Disneyland for us. So we all just come in and have a great time. I love Helena, man. It's too much fun. Everyone What's it does. like to, to go to Listen Clark now? Because you worked there, right? And then yeah, dude. now you get to go back and you're the guest who you were taking care of before. It is funny, man. Yeah. And I still know all the same regulars from when I was bartending, you know, over a decade or two ago. So it's it's funny, man. I still go and I see all the same people. And uh, that's the funny thing is, is I don't really worry about blowing my voice out singing i just i'm I'm nervous it's all hell for this five days we have five shows back to back and it's more the mingling and the talking like to every you know old family member and regular and all these people i haven't seen in ages so uh yeah it's funny man the talking is what i worry about more than the singing it you know when you're just Mm -hmm. back to back it's crazy i blow my voice out at the merch booth but you know not on stage it's really weird (laughs) what about your bandmates what do they think about this time spent here Oh man, uh, well they enjoyed Butte. Uh, that was good. Uh, no, but uh, they, they're cool, man. They just flew into Missoula, so they're getting to check out Missoula for the first time. Uh, like I said, this is our fourth time to Helena, and uh, we always give them the tour. Bring them to went to the Hot Springs last night. That was pretty cool. You know, I like to just show them around random stuff. We brought them downtown. We brought them to Haps. We, I've had my other band up here too. They've. They all did the tour train thing and stuff, mm-hmm. so, you know, everyone's really enjoying it, and, uh, yeah, it, it's awesome to come up here, man. It's just a nice escape. How do you explain to them the difference between the cities in Montana? Oh, man. 
That's hard. I'm like, well, first off, don't support the Grizz. Um, no, I'm just joking. My whole family's actually there, Grizz. I was the only one who was a Bobcat. But uh, no, I don't know. I, I actually haven't really got to talk to them since they all flew into a different town. I got to go pick them up and then uh, then do the old tour, show them mm-hmm. around Missoula, all the weird venues we used to play back in the day. The Hot Springs thing's the gamble. Yeah, yeah, that, totally. That you, cause you never know. You could end up at a five-star resort or surrounded by... Naked married people. Dude, right? Yeah. And it's the that, thing. Like, I've discovered that with my wife. You go and you think you're taking the family out to a nice night, and then you're there Thursday. It's fine. Friday night, Caligula. <laughs> like, what is happening? Like, this is the same place. That's oh, with man. all the pineapples. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> yes. Exactly. You're getting that weird eye from that couple across the yeah, pool. Yeah. Like, no. No. Jared, I'm not interested. So, yeah, that's a, to- that's a total. I took them to the wrong hot springs, I think. <laughs> They well, are different. And you never know. Like, I find out that we've got, uh, well, I, don't, I don't want to say their name. Uh, they probably don't want to be associated with. But they're, they're you know, born and raised like you. And they're like, oh, no, there's one that's actually just a natural hot springs in the woods. And, like, that's where everybody went to get naked. Yeah, I was like, super natural. in high school? <laughs> huh. Man, I don't know. I was, I was an insecure kid. I was yeah. sh- shutting the lights off, pulling the blinds. Like, nobody can see this. Right, yeah. I, do. I apparently didn't get the memo either. I wasn't cool enough to do the natural, <laughs> the natural I feel really good because I don't like to sit in hot water with other people in swimsuits in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, so, yeah, or exactly. any sort of water, actually. It, just, it makes me feel weird every single time. So, like, yeah, swim yeah. up bars, I'm not into that. So, <laughs> now I'm feeling like I made the right decision. Yeah, dude, you're not a hot people soup fan. You no. Know? Oh, <laughs> yeah, it is. It's just people stew. People stew. Mm. Just, yeah, especially no. in COVID, man. I'm like, oof. Do you uh, do you anticipate a, a slowdown in the touring coming up? Or are you doing that for the foreseeable future? Yeah, we've we're probably slowing down after this tour. To be honest, uh, we've got about two weeks with Theory of a Dead Man, and then uh, probably probably back into the studio figuring out the next album. Um, did get an offer for another thing next year. It's not confirmed, but uh, yeah, we'll be looking at tours. But but got to kind of focus on writing again. We we really haven't written in a minute, man. We wanted to kind of you know this album was done before the pandemic hit. We weren't able to tour on it, so we really didn't want to get burnt out on the songs before we could even play them live. So we right. just tried to like, and also when you go in the studio, everything new you always just think is better than what you did before, and you don't want to play the old stuff. So we were like, let's just avoid <clears throat> writing new stuff for a year or two. I mean, we still dabble, you know, but uh, just to not get burnt out on the record, so we can still push it and really want to, you know, play these what we, what are new songs to other people are actually getting kind of old for us. But I'm eager to get back in the studio and get back to writing. How how hard is it to sit on that material? Because you had to sit oh, on it's the for, worst for man. a while. Yeah, and it was crazy. Is like we wrote so many songs for this album. I I was just thinking. We I mean, I had a 20 hour drive up here, so I was showing Josh. I'm like, have you ever heard any of the B sides or the demos we did? He's like, no, not one. And I had like I think 13 or 14. I played them back to back. He's like, dude, you have a whole full length ready to go. And so it's. And I think there's a lot of great songs there, too, man. It's just funny what makes the cut, and, you know, it's always uh, a bad... I'm, like, usually kind of fighting for songs to make the cut. There's a few that didn't, so, you know, you never know. Maybe they'll make the next record. Maybe they'll live on a shelf, and no one will ever hear them for the rest of my life. So, you never know. That That is the worst feeling, though, like, writing something you're proud of, and you spend a ton of time, and no one ever gets to hear it. And obviously, the original plan has changed, so uh, is this now the plan? Is just full steam forward with what you are now? Yeah, I mean, we had to shift, man. We had to shift from the licensing world into the touring band world, which is crazy how different they are. It's like all the politics and, you know, with the label and a management, a booking agent and all that. It's like that stuff you didn't have to worry about as a, a library, you know, licensing mm-hmm. musician. <clears throat> it was more, I mean, what the beauty of that is like the licensing is, it's just mailbox money where, you know, it gets placed all over. You don't really know. You get a check every few months and that's what 
I live off of that. What's what I can tour off of, you know, it's like what makes me able to afford this. And, uh, so yeah, grateful that I dove into that licensing world, which really just kind of keeps the band afloat and us able to kind of do the road thing, which is always the goal. I mean, we, we obviously wanted to get out of the studio and play shows. It's just connecting those dots was insanely hard because people don't want to book a band that's got a million, millions of plays, but hasn't played a ton of shows, you know, there's Mm -hmm. no resume there. So it's a risk for everyone. I understand that. But now that we finally got you know, the label and the agent and everything kind of connected. It's like, oh, we're actually able to to do what we've been trying for almost a decade now. I mean, it's like we're like a new band, but we've been right in the studio for, I mean, like eight years, nine years or something like that. It's crazy. Well, and it's such a different revenue model from what I think most people understand it to be. Because going oh. back to date the fossil that I am, you released an album and oh, yeah. it had CDs with the inserts and album credits and you you sold those and you made money on it. Now these licensing deals, the downloads and monetizing all of that stuff that deal with the NHL, all of that yeah. is is the key to surviving as a musician. Yeah, totally. And and you know, radio royalties is like something I wasn't as familiar with. I'm more, you know, the the TV side of things. So uh yeah, just kind of like seeing what pays what it's very interesting to see you know what pays what fraction of a penny you know what i mean it's the but everything adds up man it's just the more you can throw out there that's kind of my been just never say no to writing and recording you know and just keep trying to throw songs out in whatever genre i can for film and tv and that'll help me uh to keep all my bands going so i can you know do my passion projects and then yeah it's been cool man you know it's as, kind, of, as a, kind of a reverse process of what some people do, because some people do the band thing, and then they will go to something like the, the publishing and writing for movies, writing for TV, yeah. writing for whatever else that's out there, and then that way they can be at home. Totally. Exactly, man. But, I mean, I'm just kind of a – I grew up booking my own you know, little DIY tours since I was a kid, man, so I just kind of – I missed that more than anything. So it was like just always trying to get back out on the road, and, uh, man, I just feel so lucky after like 10 years of writing in the studios that it's like, oh, wow, you can finally do this again. This is what you kind of mm-hmm. – I don't know. I fell in love with it as a kid. It was like my favorite thing ever, traveling and playing shows. How about uh, how difficult a sell was it to the folks when when you oh. when you initially say like I'm going to make my mark as a musician because every I'm a parent. I've got two. Yeah. And if one of them came to me like, Dad, I'm going to be a famous musician. Like, yeah. How about you go to college instead? Yeah, I would you tell know? my kid that too. I think. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, no, man. I think it was so. It was fifth grade. I, I there's a family fifth reunion. Fifth grade. Uh, yeah, I started playing guitar in fifth grade. In fifth grade, I think yeah. I wanted to be a cactus. <laughs> <laughs> you had it figured out by then. Oh, I didn't. I mean, clearly, no. I was awful. You should have heard my first band. I didn't figure anything out for a long time. Um, no, but I, I remember seeing my uncle play in this cover band. Uh, there's this like. He was a drummer, and there's a guitar a guitar player, a white Parker guitar. I always remember the lights reflecting off of this guitar and just taking the stage color and being the most badass thing I've ever seen in my life. I was like, Mom, you have to buy me a guitar. Dad, give me a guitar. I like need to learn how to play. My cousin's going to buy a drum set. We're going to start a band. And they were like, oh, okay. Uh, I guess this Christmas they went down to Clark's Music, bought me a Crate Electra like <laughs> fake Stratocaster package with like a 10-inch combo amp and uh, a, like a VHS uh, like guitar learning video. The first thing I ever tried to learn was like smells like teen spirit, but like played backwards. Cause you know, copyright. So I, I don't know. I just remember being so frustrated trying to learn that riff. I almost broke the damn guitar. So uh, it took me, you know, a lot of years to realize I was the worst singer in the world and iron out all of the, uh, all of the kinks that, that I had as a young musician, but it's awesome that you stuck with it. Because, yeah. like I said, I had nothing figured out by that age. Man, well, yeah, you should have heard the music. I don't think it was you know, all that figured out. I was but. playing in bands in my 20s that I'm embarrassed by today. <laughs> I, I actually had it. It's funny. I, about three months ago, I had a lead singer from a band that I was in. All of a sudden, he hits up me and the other two guys that were in the band. I haven't heard from this dude in 15 years. Oh, wow. Uh, 20 years, maybe. And he's like, hey, um, 
I kind of surreptitiously uploaded some of our stuff to one of the downloads. I, oh, I got to hear. I got to hear that. Where's like, it at? <laughs> it's not doing very well, but I thought you guys should know since you know initially he thought there might be some royalties involved and yep, some residuals yep. coming back. I'm like, oh wow. And then he started like I had forgotten yeah. the songs. I'd, I'm listening. And I was like, what is this one? He's like, dude, you wrote that. I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> oh, God. Ah, oh, boy. If um, it was good, he wouldn't have told you you wrote it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there was nothing we did that was any good. But I was in my 20s. I wasn't in, if I was in fifth grade, I would feel like I had an excuse. Like, oh, I was in fifth grade. I'm bad at yeah. everything. Yeah. I was bad at life in fifth grade. Oh, man. I mean, yeah. And we, we are, we're also self recording at that point, too. So anything that we've released uh, on. <laughs> I remember there was like a Great Falls station that would play local, uh, local bands, and we would always submit to that. And they would play our stuff every once in a while. I'm like, wow. Oh, you guys are putting, I had an eight track Tascam tape recorder where I recorded that stuff on and they were spinning it. Uh, I remember the first thing I recorded over was a Bare Naked Ladies single of like one week. I was like, yeah, I'm going to record over this and just started trying to, <laughs> <laughs> trying to write songs and stuff. So, uh, yeah, man, got our, got our, our, our start at, I guess, Piccolo's and, and, and everything. Nice. Buying stuff here and, and playing in my mom's. Uh, living room and basement, and yeah, just going back to my mom and dad, dude. They they let us play full volume in their basement for like my entire middle school and high school until I moved out. It was I don't know how they dealt with that. It blows my mind. So that's all. Awesome. I owe them a lot for the patience and uh, earplugs. Well, the uh, parallels between you. We, we had another uh, uh, you know interview on the podcast with uh, Sam Riddle, who's a Las Vegas country guy. Oh, cool. And uh, some guy who had to reinvent himself and kind of go a different direction. It's interesting some of the parallels about about music in Montana, about how, but the but the way musicians grow up and and reach a point. There's there's differences and then there's similarities and some of that stuff that that Sam said. You're saying a lot of the same things about guitars and about how he learned. You know, watching somebody else being influenced. His dad did that. So uh, and then to reach a stage one of the things that he talked about was he could play anywhere and somebody from montana is going to come up and, yeah. s- and say hey while you're playing i'm from montana and it yeah. happens all the time oh yeah for sure man it's also funny too like coming back to montana people i guess in the last couple of years not so much but everywhere i'd go it would be like oh you're the singer driven under right that was my original like middle school high school band or whatever i'm like man i'm a lot older than that like you still <laughs> associate me with my like high- middle school band like you really don't think I've grown at all since like seventh grade. Well, it's a, it's a sure sign they haven't. Yeah, well, maybe something like that. You know, yeah. There's a sure sign. Like they, again, they hit pause. Yeah, yeah. Right about 14, and they just assume you did the same. Yeah. I mean, it'd be pretty epic if that band was still going and I still was the singer. <laughs> and I was like, that'd be pretty sweet. I should have just kept that rolling. But yeah, man, uh, it's always good to be back and see all the people that used to see all these shows. It's crazy to just drive around town and think about all the weird parking lots and stuff where we played and, you know just everywhere we played so many shows in weird places in hell and it was awesome what's the uh, post rock star thing look like for you you come back to montana after a successful career you got your money in the bank do you buy a ranch or you out fly fishing or you oh, build the fanciest tree house in the history of wood what he's are you gonna doing? on a hockey team is what he's gonna do well you know montana does need a hockey team that's for sure man i'm yeah like, like i'll be able to afford that yeah one day i'll buy a hockey team no uh no man i i'll buy a small shack by a ski hill or something that sounds pretty cool so like, back on a mountain yeah 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 i can't really think about buying anything right now i'm just thinking about <laughs> paying my rent at home and traveling right now but one day though we'll be back i'd love to you know settle down up here at some point you know heidi hole style or are you a town kid uh god it's hard man i grew up in clancy so i you know i like being away from everybody but at the same time I just have this weird FOMO where I got to be like, you know, like <laughs> around things. As I went to Boulder High School for one year, I was like, I got to go to Helena. I got to be around people, which this metropolis of Helena. But I was right. just like, yeah, I, I just, I, I don't know. I think it's just more energy. It's fun. It's, you know, 
it's good to be able to see live music too, and that's the beauty of Helena is it's starting to bring in so many more acts and everything. Yeah. You know, the brewery's got music almost every night. Every time I come home and I'm not playing, it's like I'll go to the brewery watch some bands. Sweet. I was going to ask you what. So obviously, Helen has changed with uh, you know Lewis and Clark's doing amazing things just on their own to do that. But uh, what else has music changed like in Montana? Like Missoula has been has called themselves a music town for Montana, you know, for a long time. But it's it's also changed there. Billings has changed with some of these new venues. What's it like to go back and see that? Man, it's so crazy because as a kid, there in the MySpace days, there was this crazy scene of bands like great falls was like the metal mecca of montana and billings it was like they had like i always remember like these masked bands that we'd play at the loading zone with and everything mm-hmm. and it was like great falls is metal and helena had like some really cool punk scene and there was just so many like young kids starting projects and booking their own tours and just really pushing it and going hard and when i moved away maybe it was just because i was distant from it but i didn't really like see that anymore i didn't hear of new you know, bands from here just kind of hustling and touring out of state and really making names for themselves until the last few years. I feel like now I'm coming back and, you know, like Laney Lou and the Bird Dogs are playing the brewery and they're kind of blowing up and you're seeing the whole Red Dirt scene, <clears throat> Red Dirt scene, which I was totally unfamiliar with in L.A., just kind of taking off up here. And, uh, yeah, it is cool to see, like, you know, what people gravitate to and what they're really attached to and uh, what bands are really pulling at the brewery. You know, I've seen a lot of cool big shows. And, uh, yeah, but, you know, like I said, around the state, man, this is our first time touring through anywhere but Helena and Montana so uh in in over like a decade so I'm really curious to see you know I'll be in Missoula looking for Higgins Hall and trying to figure out what what venues are still there from back in the day you know Elks Lodges and stuff but uh yeah man I mean this this level of shows like I said I was never allowed to play the Wilma I was never like able to do a lot of these venues so uh it'll be a different just a different experience i guess I yeah well and the other cool thing is that, you know to your point there's a place in billings to play and a place in bozeman to play and a place in helena to play in mm-hmm. gray falls and yeah, missoula so you can make your way around the state and i think that has opened up a ton for music exactly. fans too because the appeal for a band to come in and play a show in a town at a venue is nowhere near as good as if you can play five or six in a row and make your way across state yeah, and it, yeah, like Great Falls is that cool new venue I heard about. It's like every town has these great venues now, and, and you're able to book national acts. And, you know, it does suck to have more people living here, but you're able to, you know, pay these bigger artists and draw in more people. And uh, I don't know. It, it is weird, though. You see both sides of it. Like last time I was home, I know John Mayer did the thing down in Bozeman, mm-hmm. and it sold out in like a half a second, and nobody from Montana was able to go or something like we that. We put Dave Chappelle on the bill. Right. I mean, just, it, it, I mean, it's chaos, too, like, man. What? Like, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, from just watching some of the artists going through Bozeman, too, it's like, damn, this place is blowing up, dude. It's crazy. Well, like, and I, I think a lot of the uh, the promoters and a lot of people like Max who own music venues have found out that you can be a little bit more diverse than you used to be able to. It used to be a gamble to go with some of these different music styles, oh, yeah. but now you can go to Lewis and Clark and see Corb Lund, who will sell out every time, and then see you guys. And, and, yeah. and he has the confidence to now understand that they're going to come and the crowd and the people going out have the confidence to know that whatever is on stage is going to be good yeah exactly and back in the days like a hard rock band or something you'd be kind of cornered to do like jesters or you know like the you know the loading zone like the metal spots you know you were you know it just everything had its own kind of scene its own venue and i remember when max was first like dude i think we're gonna test out like a dance night like a dj night or whatever and you know, I'm always falling on Snapchat and everything. And so it's just like a massive dance party at the brewery. And I'm like, dude, you could do anything there, man. People just, yeah. when you get a good PA, you know, there's a killer PA in there. And you, I mean, you just play good music through a good PA and people are going to love it, man. They go nuts for it. So this is our first time playing inside. I'm excited to play, you know, the new stage at Lewis and Clark, the the brand new PA. And uh, we've been doing the block party stuff outside every time. So tonight will be a little, or tomorrow will be a little more of a, 
I don't know, an experience, an intimate, uh, loud experience inside. I'm excited for nice. it. Yeah. How do you keep it between the lines with all the people that are going to want to catch up with you post-show? Oh, I just yeah. gonna have to suck it up, man. I gotta, <laughs> yeah, there's no, uh, there's no big backstage and green room at LNC, dude. No, I mean I'm more than happy to hang all night and talk to everybody all night, but I, I just have this paranoia, this anxiety, this, this singer anxiety in the back of my head always. It just never goes away when you're on tour. You, you know, it, it's funny, man. The talking, it, it's crazy how much talking can destroy your voice and i've learned that from bartending over the years i think that's the reason why i'm able to not blow my voice because i spent so many years of my life slinging beers and yelling at people over it's true dude it really does train the muscle to like be stronger and and yeah i don't know i don't know if i'd be able to tour for you know months and and not blow my stuff out if i didn't start bartending weirdly (laughs) enough yeah well and your your personality lends itself to talking to everybody uh no matter whether you knew him well or whether you knew him only only casually so you can't do the aloof thing and get out it's against your nature i can tell and unfortunately that sometimes seems like a good thing like i'm sorry i gotta do a show tomorrow i'm out and then everybody goes oh man Man. you're not that guy yeah i never do that and in the first two tours uh we were selling our own merch too just because you know we're we're all traveling a small sprinter not a lot of room for an extra person and we're like hey man if people want to buy it from the band you know that's cool it's more of like an experience for the fans and everything so man that was awesome but i gotta tell you selling merch was harder than playing the shows because I, <laughs> I would get done and you know you're just dripping sweats like you went swimming i run to the merch booth you know one of the dudes forgot to charge the credit card reader the night before and we're out of sizes <laughs> next thing you know i'm like digging through sizes and i'm sweating and asking for like every photo you take you look like you just gotta have a shower or you're red faced you know the tra- and then like i remember one time i got off i ran there was like i don't know it was one of the longest lines like 40 people waiting in line to buy stuff i run out there i'm solo everything's dead ipad's dead credit card reader's dead and you just stand there looking like an idiot everyone's i want to buy your shit because you're you're a great band but man, you suck at selling stuff. Like it just turned into like I was just embarrassed. I was so like ashamed to be back there. Like, and we had so many experiences like that where we were like, "You guys, we need a merch guy. Like yeah. we absolutely need a merch guy." And really, since the last tour we got, we brought one for the first time. And I can't tell you how much that made life just so much better on the road. Dude. Just like not that I don't like hustling and doing that, but it's just it's stressful when you get off and you. Also, every photo of you that gets out there, you look like you just took a shower. It's terrible. Well, it's a different skill set working retail yeah. than it is being yeah, a lead it, singer. Yeah, man. That's you can grab me somebody out. at Costco and put them on stage. <laughs> right. You know, you can be like, hey, yeah, sing a song. Yeah, there. yeah. Smock. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Those are different jobs. Yeah, man. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, luckily, don't have to do a whole lot of shirt slinging anymore. It's good. Well, Dan, man, I, I know that you've got other stops, and, and we've kept you for almost an hour, believe it or not. Um, man, time's flying, man. Yeah. Good yeah. hanging with you guys. It's been it's been fun. No, thank you so much for coming in. And uh, if you're just getting this when this thing drops, don't forget All Good Things, uh, September 29th at Lewis & Clark. You can check listings for spots around Montana. Hopefully, you guys will be back again in the rotation yeah. at some point. Yeah, man. This is our first like Northwest trip for the band, so hopefully it becomes a regular thing to get back up here and you know play all over the state. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. When you get back to California, tell them we hit them. Oh, absolutely. I do all the time. Yeah, no worries there. Yeah. Thanks a ton, bud. No problem, guys. Thanks for having me, man. Rate, review, and subscribe to this thing wherever you found it, man. And uh, we'll be back next week.